All right, I'd like to welcome my father to the show. This is the detective, Daniel Ehrenberg. Uh, Henry over there, H-Dog, right? That's right. It's, it's, it's Hank. It's the Thin Man. What is this, episode 212 right. or something? Very close. Episode 211 for Dan's dad. That's right. We are doing the Thin Man. He's not here in the studio, a.k.a. my apartment. He's not. Okay. Or, but uh, he is listening for the first time ever. In four years. I'm sure he's heard bits. He's heard our He's show. heard bits. But yeah. he, this, he's put up $100. My mom has, actually. Um, my dad had the nerve to say, uh, can you pay our son a hundred dollars? And I had the nerve to ask for that money. All of that is beautiful. Yeah. Our family are money grubbing Shylock Jews. (laughs) (laughs) Much like the shyster in the, in after the thin man. There is a shyster for sure. Yeah. 300 times we get to hear that. Oh, we'll get there. We oh, we'll get there. Hey, we're covering the Thin Man today, uh, by W. S. Van Dyke, starring William Powell and Myrna Loy, and then the sequel after the Thin Man, in which there's no the Thin Man's not in it, but there's other Thin Men, I guess. But it's what happened after the movie after- The Thin Man. So, is in that title are they referring like to the title of the first movie? I think so. I I think so. I kind of like that. If you think about it like that, you could really call any movie now that has a sequel. You just be like It's it- not bad after Jurassic Park. Yeah, after. After it's Babe. It, it's the same characters, but That's what doing- Mash did. They're doing something else. What they do again? They they did a spinoff because you know they ran for eleven seasons yeah. and then they were like, well, clearly we didn't tell the whole story, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot to tell in eleven years. Yeah, of a yeah. Three year war. We yeah. you know we did twenty five half hour episodes for eleven straight years. Uh, but I, I have more to say here about the Korean War. So they did a spinoff called Aftermath. You know, there like you aftermath. So there, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. I see. I see. You but see you what could, they you did. Could, you, I did. I do see what they did. Uh, but you could, you could really do that for any movie, man. Just pick one. You know, you, Beverly Hills Cop. After Beverly Hills. Cop. All right, we don't even need to run this bit into the ground or anything. I, I like to run things into the ground. I know you do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. This is our earliest franchise we've ever covered, folks. Yeah, 1934 is this first one. Memorial Day weekend, 1934, this came out. Oh, oh my. We were in the midst of the Great Depression. Yep, but, um, you know, people, they were, they were, uh, they lined up at the bread lines with a, an American flag and a patriotic hat of some kind. That's right. That's and right. and then afterwards, uh, they, they took their government stipend money and went to go see the Thin Men. That's right. That's right. We were in the Great Depression. FDR was president. Hitler had rose to power. World Risen. Right. 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 Careful. My dad's listening. He uh, once uh, was a speech teacher. Oh, all right. I wouldn't want to have my. Uh... I need you to be eloquent this week. I will. OK, I will watch the linguistics. Mm-hmm. I will be very, very careful. My father was a speech teacher, then he became a mailman. And you might picture him, maybe he was like a poetic kind of mailman. But no, he was just walking around listening to Howard Stern. 
Didn't he own a gym too? He doesn't own a gym. He works at a gym. Works. He runs a gym. When I first met you, you told me something like that, and I, I thought that was pretty pretty unusual. Yeah, pretty cool. he'd already retired from the post office by the time I met you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he worked at that gym all the way until the pandemic, and now he's like, ooh, retirement's amazing. I'm going to keep <laughs> this up. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, big fan of your dad. He's extremely funny. He's very, very dry. Uh, I will never forget one of the funniest things he said to me. Uh, when I was at your house once at dinner, he said we were talking about the show Rectify. Great show. And, yeah, it is a great show. And um, your dad just very droll said, I don't know. I always just that show is too giddy for me. Yeah. And I didn't. It was so droll and so dry. I didn't even get that he was kidding. And I just did like kind of a double take. And I was like, I was being polite. I was a guest. And I was like, Really? You think what do you what do you mean? And then you leaned over and looked at me and you go, He's he's kidding. And I was like, Oh That's like a sense of humor for sure. It can get exhausting, but uh we love him for it. All right. Well, so are we, so that's that's it works. All right, the thin man, let's talk about it. Let's get down to business, Henry. Brass tax here. Yeah, brass focus, tax. focus. Focus. Focus on brass tax here. See? See? There's a lot of C's. All right. Thin Man, directed by Mr. W.S. Van Dyke. That stands for Woodbridge Strong Van Dyke, Henry. Yeah, wow. Okay? Um, he's a Hollywood hack, uh, but, we, but we love him. He was known for working fast, getting movies in uh, under budget, in quick time, getting them in there. In Hollywood, he was referred to as One Take Woody. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's right. That makes sense. So what I read about the making of this, it seemed like he was kind of a mover. Like, let's get this take done and let's go. Yeah. yeah. No, no second takes in this movie. No. I don't know the how he dealt was... with a fucking dog. It's like a chaotic element on set. Well, you know, we didn't have uh, animal rights groups back then. So maybe <laughs> get over there. You think that Skippy really took some shit, man? <laughs> you know, God. that dog was famous. He's got, like, a filmography. It's crazy. It's crazy. You know what's fucked up is that his name is Asta in the movies. That's the character's name that he's playing. Right, right, right. But the dog's name in real life is Skippy. Right. All right? But then I was doing some more research, and he's in movies down the line. He's in Bringing Up Baby. Oh. And he's credited in that movie as Asta. What's going weird. on there? That's Trying to weird. capitalize on his thin man's yeah. success. Use I his real name. Yeah, they're using that dog. He can't fight back. I don't appreciate it. I don't appreciate yeah. them trying to take Skippy's identity. I get it. I get your frustration. He's yeah. not Asta. He's not this character. This is just no. a role he's playing. Stop typecasting him. What is he, Christopher Reeve? It'd be like if Jim Carrey was then in Dumb and Dumber... And they credited him as Ace Ventura. Yeah, not cool. <laughs> that would be amazing. Cool. <laughs> they should do that, man. Mike I Myers could... should just be credited as Austin Powers and stuff. No, Rob no. Schneider, you're Deuce Bigelow now. Yeah, yeah, that would boost all those movies. Everybody would be like, oh, 
What's going on here? It'd be a little Andy Kaufman thing going on there. It's kind of what Larry the Cable Guy does, right? Because it's like Larry the Cable Guy is a, like not a cable guy in this. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like it's a firefighter. True. It's true. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, though. That is that is very odd. Uh, boy, that dog. You know, I did have a thought about the dog. Is it I, that I, he's I, very cute? He's very cute. Uh, very cute. But I was wondering, you know, I've, I'm sure you've wanted this he's before. He's a little too barky in the second one, I'll be honest. Yeah, he has a lot <laughs> to say. That was the part of the improvisation. Dyke was just, no, it They gave him Dyke more part. lines in that second one. I'm not into yeah, it. Yeah, they were just like improvised. Um, now, I'm wondering, you know, do dogs know? Because, you know, let's face it, they're, I've always liked to call them one of the smartest dumb animals. And do they know that what's happening is. They don't know not- anything, they don't know who you are. They, they don't know where they are. They don't know what color looks like. They're thinking about shitting and eating. Okay, so I think that my question is... What you're answer. perceiving as love is right, right. nothing like that. It's need. It's just hunger. Yeah, it's hunger. So, so, so Skippy was not aware that when action... But he's pretty called, cute, you know. Right. <laughs> Skip, Skippy was not aware... That he was starring in a motion picture. I imagine they get these dogs used to being in front of cameras so that yeah. it's not really an interesting thing to them anymore. And then they throw something in the scene. Like the best Asta moments all involve props, if you ask me. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but so, throw so, a so balloon puts... at this dog, it's gonna do something cute. Yeah. He goes like this. That that's not a prop. You he, can't he do that. A... This is a recorded medium. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I put my hand over my face. He he does a lot of covering his eyes with his paws. You know, that that's cute. How long have we been recording a podcast? You're doing visual bits. Yeah, I uh sometimes I, I forget. Uh it's I'm so in the moment. We're I'm so excited right now. It's the Just to discuss the me. film with me. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it all week. All right. WS, he uh he directed this baby. It was written yeah. by uh, Albert Hackett. And Francis Goodrich, they're a married couple, wrote a lot of movies. I liked that when I read that. Yeah. It's nice. I, I just am always surprised when I see, like, any woman in a behind-the-scenes role on a movie before, like, 1998. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I did take note of that. But, I mean, I think it definitely accounts for the little banter between them. So, you know, uh, between well, and Well, you can also credit some of that, I imagine, to the Dashiell Hammett novel that it's based on. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Yes, MGM, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. And if I may say, the original MGM lion is kind of a pussy. Is, is, he, is he smaller? No, I, I just felt like he was a weakling. It was like a little he bit did. of a growl. It was like, yeah, um, welcome. Yeah, and yeah, Whereas right. now the MGM lion's like, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the MGM lion now, it'll eat you. It'll, you're done. Yeah, Beware the fucking MGM lion. Yeah. The MGM lion will take the Mandalay Pictures tiger down. It'll kill the TriStar unicorn. Oh, my God. Place. And it'll drink its magical blood. <laughs> will it eat the birds in Ridley Scott's free? What is Ridley Scott's uh, production company with free? Scott free. Oh, great. Scott. Scott free. <laughs> Scott free. Listen. Scott free. The little birds. Yeah. Sit, Ubu, sit. 
Don't sit around this fucking lion. Oh, that MGM lion's having lunch, breakfast, dinner, and an aperitif. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, it gives a little growl, you know. Growl. It's all right. Growl. It's like a, it's a demure lion. It is. All right, MGM uh, paid $21,000 to Dashiell Hammett to the, for the rights to the Thinman. And That's like a lot of money back then. Yeah, and he sold it. Movie uh, went into production at a budget of $226,408. Not every day we know the exact dollar count. $8. <laughs> what do you think they spent those remaining $3 on? Dog biscuits, obviously. Dog biscuits for Asta, yeah, for sure. Olives for their martinis, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Extra locks for their casting couch rooms. <laughs> uh, it uh, made uh, at the box office $1.42 million. It was a <sighs> successful film. Uh, though I only have the top 10 movies of 1934, and it's not on that list. Oh, um, Henry, uh, this film was nominated for quite a few Oscars. Oh, it was. That's right. I already had another theme song up. That's was funny. is it the AFI one? We could do that. Yes. Let's let let's do that since since in the interest. And uh, for your dad, here we go. May I may I call him by his first name? I think he'd love it. Well, that's what I call him. To call him by life. the familiar Steve. Well, that's what he asked me to call him in real life many, many years ago. So that's what I'll say. This is for you, Steve. This is the American Film Institute theme. Mm-hmm. A-F-I. Beautiful. Beautiful yeah, it's, stuff. It's, it's one of our most popular themes. Um, uh, they have deemed The Thin Man to be the number 32 funniest movie ever made. Wow. Yeah. I mean... It definitely made me laugh. I laughed a few times. I'm with you a few times. <laughs> you know what? I I smiled a lot. I smiled the whole way. I right. found I'll both of that. these movies to be delightful. I agree with you completely. So yeah. that's saying something. I am very infrequently smiling frequently through a movie. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily make my funniest ranking, but no. it might make my delightfulness rankings. Charming. Charming, Charming. sure. Husband and wife banter pre nineteen pre two thousand seven. Sexy but in the chastest way possible. Yeah. Yeah, but a little risque too. This is pre code this movie. Pre code. Pre code. You, you knew that, are right? Are you getting on pre-code in those separate beds, baby? Yeah, that was an interesting thing we'll have to mention at some point. Yeah, I, we'll I talk really about it. That. All right, you know. so Oscars, you have that theme up now? Yeah, you, we might have to sit through an ad, but... Uh, no, I hope we do. Gatorade. I gotta be honest, nothing does beat Gatorade. Especially at a hangover. Oh, this movie was nominated for a lot of stuff. <laughs> All right. I couldn't get my train of thought going. It was nominated for Best Picture. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. For such a yeah. light, gentle comedy to get a Best Picture nomination. You don't really see that anymore. No, uh, no. But it lost to It Happened One Night, which you'll recall It Happened One Night. This was a big year. 
it was the first time that a movie swept all five of the major awards. Oh, picture director, screenplay, actor, actress? Correct. So the only other times this has happened is uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and The Silence of the Lambs. Silence. Yeah. Uh, so this is a big deal. So, so Thin Man got a lot of nominations, but it had no shot. I always forget about Cuckoo's Nest because I, I never remember uh, Nicholson winning for that, and I never remember Louis Fletcher winning for that. Yeah. Of course. I feel like... I always feel like Nicholson won for as good as it gets an easy rider. I never think of him in I always remember because when Cuckoo's Nest won, the footage they always show is of the producers coming up and Milos Foreman and Michael Douglas coming on stage. Stop trying to I impress think. my dad. That was for you, Steve. I have a very <laughs> just name dropping knowledge. motherfuckers. <laughs> I, I didn't meet them. I don't know them. <laughs> All right. Uh, it was nominated for Best Director, W.S. Van Dyke. He lost to Frank Capra for It Happened One Night. Uh, William Powell was nominated for Best Actor. He lost to Clark Gable for It Happened One Night. It was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Lost to It Happened One Night. And, uh, and that's it. There you go. The Thin Man. Now, is there a sequel to It Happened One Night called After It Happened One Night? That'd be good. It happened the second night. Another night. <laughs> <laughs> Give me one more night. Una noche. You remember that song? Nope. I think it's by uh, 98 Degrees. Well, of course it is. You recall 98 Degrees, Henry? I do. Name the I... members of 98 Degrees. Go. Is one of them the one who went to space? No, that's Lance that's Bass insane. from NSYNC. NSYNC. In sync, I caught it. I caught myself before you said. All right. Ninety-eight degrees was the guy on with Jessica Simpson. Yes. What's his name? Hey, I I don't know, but that was pretty good. It's not good enough. Oh fuck off! Chicken <laughs> of the sea. Chicken of the sea. Yeah, that was her thing, Jessica Simpson. Oh, that's MTV. right. Yeah, she didn't know whether tuna was chicken. <laughs> That is honestly, good stuff, man. Honestly, honestly, she's not a marine biologist. Why would you expect? Why would she have to know that? Yeah, her whole job was singing over John Mellencamp samples, and and lip syncing to her own pre-recorded vocals. Give me a break. That's her man. sister. Oh, Ashley Simpson. Yeah, I just meant in general that whole generation kind of did a lot of that. Britney Your generation Britney. did too. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> You're from the Millie Vanilli generation, bro. I'm a Gen Xer. Yeah. My dad's generation, listen, they they would sing whatever they wanted to. Sha na na. They weren't singing over tracks. They weren't lip syncing. They were getting up there and singing in five part harmony. Do do doom doom You singing the fucking song from Three Men and a Baby. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, sweetheart. Well it's time to go. Do do doom doom Good night. <laughs> uh, I, I like, I got to confess, Dan, I like doing our duets. It's fun sometimes. Beautiful stuff. All right, I, let's talk right. about it. Uh, this film starts with a, an inventor. Ooh. What? Ooh. We have a top 10 of the 1930s. Oh, you want to get into that? Yeah, we can. I well, guess. That we should get it out of the way before we well, begin. Yeah, we decided the 30s were breaking open a new decade. 
Let's, uh, before we talk about the Thinman movies, uh, rank the top 10 movies of the 1930s that we have seen. Yeah, this wasn't easy for me, folks, but uh, I managed to squeak one more on there to reach 10. So how's that? And I did not go through the 18,000 that came out in that decade. That's an accurate, accurate number. So Dan has, of course, beaten me, but it's not a matter of beating. It's a top 10 list. Yeah, but I wanted to come up with 10. You know what I'm saying? Well, you did. I did. I just. What's your number just... 10? Okay, I think this movie's a complete piece of shit. Oh, God. Uh, what? You have movies what? on there that you don't like? Actually, only one. Okay, only one. okay. What do you, let's talk about it. That happens when you don't haven't seen a lot. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Uh, it's considered a classic and one of the greatest movies of all time. Mm-hmm. I think it's an overly long, racist piece of shit. No, it's Gone acting. with the Wind. That's right. That movie sucks. Yeah, it There's does. It does suck. Nothing good about that movie. It's nowhere near about... my top ten list. There's yeah, nothing good so about it. What about, frankly, dear, I don't give a damn. Yeah. Clark it, that's be... uh, That's got to be on the AFI best quotes list. Oh, 100%. It's probably number one. Could be. Probably like number one put down. Yeah. It's like E.T. phone home and then that. <laughs> yeah, E.T.'s a little bit better. A little bit better than Gone with the Wind. It's a lot better. Yeah, I'm just kidding. All, All right, right. H-Dog. My number 10's another 1939 classic. Uh, I used to have a beef with this movie. I, I was against its canonization. But I, I turned a corner at a certain point. There was one night... Uh, a friend who was a girl invited me to see this movie <laughs> in a park outside. And okay. I I just thought it was going to be us sitting on the floor watching this movie. But I showed up. She was wearing this sexy green dress. And uh, she had a friend there. And it seemed like the friend's whole job was to facilitate us hooking up. <laughs> And I was like, why'd you go through all this trouble? You could have shown up in sweatpants and said, do you want to fuck me right now? Right. No need for the facilitation. Yeah. Yeah. But part of part of the night out involved us watching The Wizard of Oz and, uh, you know, beautiful summer night knowing I was about to get laid. (laughs) It felt good. And it's my number 10. That's a fun experience. Yeah. There's you were off to see the wizard. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. All right. Number nine. Um, Actually, it is something we're covering tonight. That is After the Thin Man. You have the sequel on the list. I do. Okay. I do. My number nine is, uh, listen, I, I always say there's no good Robin Hood movies. But there's kind of one good Robin Hood Ooh, movie. Errol Flynn, are we yeah, talking, Yeah, huh? that's a good movie. The Adventures of Robin Hood. Errol Flynn, very fun. All it's right. everything that the Kevin Costner movie isn't. Right, yeah. I don't believe I ever saw that. So. It's a good time. Okay, interesting. All right. Number eight is a movie by uh, the vaunted French auteur uh, Renoir. And this movie bored the living shit out of me 24 oh, years God. ago. But, you know, it's a good movie. It's about class division. Rules yada, of the yada, game. Yada. I've never seen it. 
Can I say my own uh, <laughs> list, please? Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, je ne sais pas. Non, ce n'est pas moi. Uh, the rules of the game. Great. Um, my number eight, Henry, and uh, it's a Marx Brothers movie, and I could put five Marx Brothers movies on I this know, list. I know. I like that. That's a big deficit in my – I've only seen, like, parts and clips and mm. – Long. I've never watched. I don't think I've ever watched one all the way through. Continue. Sorry. Yes. But anyway, I I only felt it absolutely necessary for me to include two. Uh, so the first one is my number eight, A Night at the Opera. Okay. All right. I wanted to ask you if you've seen one in particular, but I guess I'll wait because you have another one on there. Mm -hmm. All right. Number seven for me is uh, The Thin Man. Henry, my number seven. This whole list could be Alfred Hitchcock movies, but I have edited myself and included two. And uh, so here's the first one of those. My number seven is his very, very British, The 39 Steps. Ah, yes, yes, yes. That's one of me Ma's favorite movies. Oh, we have that in common. I mean, it's not you one know, of my favorite movies, but it's very you know, good. You know she's a huge Hitchcock fan. It's her favorite guy. She's seen everything. Yeah. I don't know if we've ever talked about that. Maybe next time. Really? Yeah. You and her? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah she, she's her favorite. Um. All right. Number six. Dan is going to roll his eyes, but might be impressed in a weird way. Although it's hard to impress uh, Dan. So, Steve, this is for you and our listeners. All right. Everyone knows on this show I love The Aviator. I love that movie so much it got me curious about what kind of filmmaker Howard Hughes actually was. So when I worked at Barnes & Noble, I actually bought the DVD of Hell's Angels. That's a movie that Howard Hughes made? Yes. And it's good? Well, here's the thing. There are sequences in this movie that are absolutely astonishing. And mind-blowing. I mean, the aerial shit that gets done in this movie for the time, or for any time, really. Well, all you need for that is amazing. good pilots. Okay, but and good camera And then you work. train a camera on them. I, uh, right. <laughs> Throw some music over it. That's right, how you make a movie. Like, right, because it's like the Weather Channel. You know, you just put a camera somewhere and look at a helicopter flying. Yeah, those are no. good shots. Yeah, they are. Thanks. Um, it's a very good movie. Uh, the love story is not very good, but Hell's Angels is pretty fucking badass and pretty cool. I didn't expect much when I watched it, and I was wrong. It's a very, very cool movie. Hell's mm -hmm. Angels. That's two on my list you haven't seen. How many Catherine Hepburn Aviator. movies did you watch after The Aviator? None. I'm not a fan of her. No. Do you think you're only not a fan of her because that Kate Blanchett performance no, is so I've, goddamn annoying? I've seen Katherine Hepburn in movies before that. Jesus Christ, what kind of? What about bringing up baby starring Asta? She's, you know, Katherine Hepburn's just too fucking mannered for me. Which was one of the things in The Thin Man that I loved about the acting. That 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 I was worried that I'd be in for a lot of that stuff and. After the Thin Man has some of it. There's a little, yeah, agreed. There's way more of it in the second yeah. one. Yeah, but no, Catherine Hepburn's got a whole shtick, and I don't like it. Not a fan. Anyway, Hell's Angels number six. My number six is the other Marx Brothers movie on my list, Duck Soup. Okay, I wanted to ask you about the Great Dictator. You've seen it? That's not a Marx Brothers movie. That's by Charlie Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> 
as it was coming out of my mouth, I realized that immediately. Yes. Mm -hmm. Do you have any chapters? Are you impressed, Dad? You impressed with Henry's great film knowledge, huh? I have no retort to that. I'm not a Charlie Chaplin fan. Modern times I considered for this list, but I like all ten of these more. Okay. It's like a little much. Come on, Tramp. Put your fucking cane away. No, I'm not into a lot of that stuff either. Like the the floppity do and the walking sideways funny and the yeah yeah. Yeah, but I always wanted to see The Great Dictator because it, it took a lot of balls for him to make that yeah, movie. Yeah, sure. It, it's good. That one's all right. It's, it's interesting. All right. No, give me a Marx Brothers recommendation right now. Duck Soup. One. Duck Soup. If I yeah. Had to watch one. Yeah. All right. all right. Number five, Henry. What's number five? Well, that'll come right after this. Heavy hitters. These the right. grand slams, the slap shots, the three-pointers, the touchdowns, the curling when the gets close to the circle. These are the heavy hitters of the franchise. Heavy hitters. All right, I saw this movie a long time ago. It's really awesome. Charles Lawton. <laughs> Maureen O'Hara, I want to say. Uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, okay. I've never seen that. Yeah. Why are you laughing at all my choices? It's these cute. Are- it's cute watching you talk about these movies. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's cute watching the uh, the Luddite. Yeah. doesn't know anything about 1930s movies. <laughs> Look, fuck you. You've seen 25 movies in the 30s. I've seen 10. Something like that, yeah. What does that make you, Andrew Saris? Yeah, that. my number Oh, my number five, a movie Henry's never seen, is the original King Kong. I- I'm pretty sure I haven't seen it. But I also don't like to uh, fib, you know. I, if I could have seen it and then been like, yeah, I saw that, but I don't remember. Hey, Henry. Yeah. Twas beauty killed the beast. <laughs> now, King Kong, what's that about? Monkey. Big monkey, one. Monkey, monkey, monkey. Something about he's on a building. Is it the Chrysler building? I'll tell you what. They've got a great... Uh, they put him up on a stage. Everybody pays money to go out to the theater to see a monkey in a cage. I don't know what yeah. kind of a show they're expecting, but they're pumped right. to be there. It's a night out. Uh, but they get more than they bargained for because this monkey, he breaks free. He takes the hot lady. Uh, he fills her up. He climbs a building right. and yeah. uh, shot by helicopters. The World Trade Center. Empire State Building. Pretty sure it's a World Trade Center. Uh, I'm pretty sure the World Trade Center didn't exist in 1933. Pretty sure it was built in 1841. What? What are so- you talking about? I'm just kidding. It was built in like the 70s. Yes. <laughs> I knew I was right about that. Late, I think late 60s. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the Empire State Building, folks. I was being, I was intentionally being dumb. All intentionally? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know that the World oh, Trade Center was a Henry, fucking joke. Henry's facade of intelligence is really slipping this episode. It's funny how much Dan's trying to get under my skin. <laughs> Just ain't working, baby. It's Teflon time, baby. It's Teflon time tonight <laughs> for H Dog. That's all it is right now. What's number four, H Dog? All right, number four is I'm actually with Dan on this. I didn't have quite the amazing experience he did, but uh, I grew up with this movie, loved it, and then kind of turned a corner where I thought it was shite. It's not shite. It's a great movie. Come on, The Wizard of Oz. Sure, of course. Uh, my number four is my my favorite. Hitchcock of the 30s, and that is The Lady Vanishes. 
yes, 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 yes. All right. My number three, uh, I still think this is a contender maybe for the best movie from this company of this era ever made, but I don't know. That is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. That's my number three. Whoa. One similar. That's crazy. That's the best. um, That's the best for a while. Yeah, the early ones, you know, he did Fantasia and Pinocchio in the 40s. Those are great. And Dumbo, too. Sure, they're all great, but there's something about Snow White, man. That shit, I think it, it even when I was a kid, it scared me. Because it it's, it's the first one they really yeah, put their dark. hearts and souls into it, it's, yeah. it's, and you can see it. Yeah, and they got that nice song. That's when Disney wrote nice songs, like Someday My Prince Will Come. What are you talking about? They still write very nice songs. What about Happy by Pharrell? That's a great point. That's I don't think that's point. Disney, actually. But, uh, you know, then in Pinocchio we get uh, When You Wish what Upon about, a Star. Can You a- Feel the Love Tonight? Please don't. I, I, Hakuna I'm Matata. Okay. God. I wish Alan Menken and fucking. Uh, You've Andrew got a friend had, in me. I wish that Alan <laughs> Menken and Weber would just go off on a Titanic and just never come back and just just cease and desist. I think uh, I think you're being a hater. I really do. I think you're right. I. I with honor. Undadasi. Right, Undadasi. It's Sting, right, that song? <laughs> dad, Dad, I know you didn't get that joke. It was a callback to an earlier episode that you didn't listen to. But it was a police reference, really. So, yeah. Under the sea, waiting for me and all and Sam. Irie. Okay. I agree, man. Nah, number two. This movie is haunting and bizarre and dark and fucking great. And uh, I believe I've only seen two of this director's movies. This one is great. And that is uh, Fritz Lang's M. That's my number two. Damn. We're lining up. But I'm pretty sure you haven't seen my number one. So what's yours? I'm pretty sure you haven't seen mine. Um, the best movie of the 1930s for me... I get that I've seen up to 10 I've seen probably I'd have to say is still all quiet on the Western front. I haven't seen that. Yeah, you're right. I know I should have seen that. My dad's going to be disappointed. It's a great movie about world war one. And I honestly don't think there has been that many besides paths of glory. It's Cause it's a fucking shitty war. Who cares about world war one? World war two has panache. It's got villains. It's got pathos. It's got an amazing ending involving nuclear war. Wow. Okay. That's a. I mean, that's a. It's got harsher deaths. That's a. It's. It's a hot take. Yeah. Hot take spoken of complete ignorance of. What does World War One have? Franz Ferdinand, a few trenches. Yeah, that's that's kind of all. You're right. That's kind of all that was. That's all that was going on there. Yeah, yeah. Steve, I'm sorry. Who even you, gives a shit? Son. I'm sorry about your son. Sometimes I, I I can't really. I try to help, but you know I can only do so much. 
So what's your listen? It's one? like the Terminator movies. Like the the Terminator, it works well within its genre, like World War One. But then Terminator Two just had so many ideas, so much going on, <laughs> and it's more accessible to a mainstream audience because the villain, <laughs> the heroes versus villains, fun. yeah. They're- very clear cut in World War Two. Mm-hmm. There's no nebulous villains in World War Two. We will always be grateful for that. Well, they, there's us with the Japanese internment camps, but uh, other than that, nebulous, nebulous good guys, <laughs> no nebulous bad guys. True. I guess we were sort of like an anti-hero. We're <laughs> <laughs> real Walter White. Wow, the United States was the Walter White of World War Two. No uh, my number one is uh, Todd Browning's insane follow-up to Dracula Freaks. Oh, I fucking knew that was coming, yeah. Everybody loves that fucking movie, Because it's weird. It's it's just nothing like anything they were doing at the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I imagine. The fucking cover freaked me out, man. I don't think I'd enjoy that. No, movie. you. I think you would, man. It's really? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get past all the... Uh, I, I mean, we are just, like, throwing... <laughs> Like deformed human beings on screen, <laughs> and right. and and look going look how fucking weird they are. Right, but right, right. it has an actual plot and like a mystery, and it works. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Freaks, the best movie of the decade. That's right. But let's talk about the Thin Man, which you know could have been on the list. I didn't want to include it just because yeah, we're going to talk about it today. But I do love this movie. Uh, let's start with it. It starts with an inventor. We're forty minutes into this goddamn podcast. I feel like we're going to be talking about these movies forever. I already noticed that, yeah. Okay. Um, we, we can move at a clip when we do. I mean, the plot is... Let's banter. We don't... What's... <laughs> Did you say less banter? Let's banter. Let's banter. The plot is so convoluted, it's not like we're going to go through every measure of that. No, but, no. Uh, there's like a million red herrings. All of these movies, like the middle of the movie doesn't matter whatsoever. It's like yeah, the first right. act, we set up the mystery... And we meet all the characters who could either be knocked off or be the killer. And then the second act is is just Nick and Nora sitting around bantering and drinking and doing absolutely nothing of note. Yeah. <laughs> and, which, is- which is fine by me. I like how leisurely these movies are. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, they're they're loaded with money. They don't really have anything to do. They're- she's loaded with money. Well, I mean, now which I found married. kind of interesting. Yeah, she's like an heiress. Yeah. So, and he just kind of. But, you know, it's great because they really love each other. And he's just and he makes jokes about it throughout the whole movie. But, you know, self-consciously making jokes about her. I am retired now. I don't have to work because I married you. And and she thinks it's funny and he thinks it's funny. And, you know, it, it, it works. And they uh, delight each other. They delight each other, and they drink to the point of incapacitation. There's so much drinking in these they movies. They pass out, like, and it, <laughs> because it's not the kind of thing that they drink constantly with no consequences. It just seems like in 1934 it was a regular thing to drink constantly, pass out for a few hours, and then reemerge into the world. And and drink more. And immediately drink more. Immediately. Yeah, no, it's true. And, I, you know, this was right 1934, so this is right after Prohibition. So it would it would have been legal in this in this time. But even if it was illegal, something tells me they would have gotten their drinks anyway. Um, 
yeah, come on. This this guy, William Powell, he would have found a way. Oh, he's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, All right. So, yeah, go ahead. There's Wynant. Let's talk about him. He's an inventor. He's a tinkerer. I like this. Now you see inventors, they're on computers. Back then, they had, like, copper wire and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My next invention is going to be amazing. It's going to be a black thread put through the eye of a wooden needle, which will then produce a clock that will tell the time four minutes into the future. Mm -hmm. That was a really piss poor idea, but with a pretty good impression. Good stuff. The Simpsons uh, once had a joke about how the only good inventions in the last like 30 years have just been like putting clocks on things. That's a good joke. Very, <laughs> very true. Good yeah, line. no, his his inventions. I would have kind of liked to have known a little bit more about Mr. Winant's inventions. I, I I wanted to know what he had invented. Obviously, I imagine he invented some alcohol type products like sifters that uh, maybe can self refill and snifters. Yeah, I'm really nailing it tonight on the mm -hmm. vocab. Something happens to me on this show where I lose. I feel a like you feel the presence of my father looming over you. <laughs> like, like, what am I, Skywalker to his Vader? No, it's you no, know, it's like you know, it, you're say you're like a head chef in a restaurant, yeah. and yeah. somebody walks in, you're like, oh my god, that's the restaurant critic for the New York <laughs> Times. Even though I know that there's. All these other listeners in the world listening right yeah, now. Yeah, and my father has literally never listened to a podcast. He has nothing right. to judge this against. Right. Well, neither did I. So that's. But uh, yeah. All right. Um. Anyway. All right. All right. All right. So I did get confused in the very beginning of the movie, and I got a little worried that this would be a problem. I got confused in the very start because of the way the characters dress and talk and act. And I had never really seen William Powell and Myrna Loy before. When the couple that walks into the inventor's warehouse, I got You thought it was them? Yeah. Well, got, look, was, it's, it's... It took me like five minutes to figure out, okay, that's not them. And, it, and the girl looks very much like Myrna Loy. So that was weird. I don't know about a that. Little bit. But it, I had a little bit of a problem with that in the second one, actually, because there's the the police, the head police inspector had a similar mustache to William Powell. Yeah, those stupid little pencil mustaches. Because really they, they, everyone wore the same shit back then. Yeah, and the fedoras and the black and white. Can help. someone wear a goddamn t-shirt? It's like back then you like cut to like rednecks. It's like now, like you know, if they made a Friday the Thirteenth movie in the thirties, they'd <laughs> they'd stop at like the gas station, the scary gas station attendant. Like I wouldn't go down that way. Wearing but yeah, now we'd just be like wearing a suit and tie, perfectly fucking quaffed with gel in his hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Suits were that's all they had. I used to wear a fedora. Did you know my fedora days? Or had I Jesus stopped Jesus Christ. I'm I glad that. I didn't know you during those days. Oh, you just missed me. I did that a lot in New York. I so bought a fedora once, and uh, I never wore it out. That's. I that's was like, I think I'm going to wear a fedora. <laughs> and I ordered it online, and it came, and I put it on, and I was like, I don't look good. Oh, I look great. Uh, uh, somebody used you to don't. Yeah, I did. No and one looks somebody, good in a fedora. Somebody used to call me, I worked with, called me Except the for detective. Usher. The detective? Yeah, they call me, hey, detective. Like Perry Mason? 
I didn't think of that. I I wanted to be more a cool detective, you know. Who's a cool detective? Batman? Perry Mason. <laughs> Matthew Reese is pretty cool. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> no, we already had a Batman who was a customer, remember? We had Batman. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that guy. Um, yeah. All right. Let's let's do it. W- what's happening? Uh, so you mentioned the couple coming in. The yeah. the the inventor. He's got a daughter, and the daughter is introducing him to her new fiance. And they seem trustworthy at first. We like her. She's nice. She calls her dad darling, which is kind of cute. And the dude seems all right too. He yeah. asks him for his permission. He, you know, when William Powell walks in, he's making jokes. He gets the jokes. I'm always on the lookout in these movies. If somebody doesn't have a good enough sense of humor, they might be the villain. Ah, okay. Listen, uh, this a, is a com for to comedies, to comedies. William Powell and Myrna Loy, we're supposed to love these characters. So all the characters that we're supposed to love also have to love them. Yeah, that's very true. That's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm giving you mystery tips. I appreciate that. 1930s mystery tips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Nick comes in 10 minutes into the movie. Honestly, it's too much before Nick comes in. It should start with Nick and Nora. Yeah, it is a little a, a little weird. A little and too she, much her, preamble. Her too. I mean, they come in in the same sequence, but her as well. Uh, her entrance in the movie. Right. They're sort of in a ballroom, a hotel ballroom, because yeah, another odd <laughs> thing. Are of, they? Another odd thing about this movie is they're on vacation. Like they, they live in California, but this movie takes place in New York. Sort yeah. of like Neil Simon's The Out of Towners, but with more Very murder. Good. Right, right, right. Yeah, it is strange. And I, I actually really found it great, though. There was something a little bit gave me a little bit of a warm feeling that in the 1930s, New York was like a real viable vacation destination. The tourist like it was, destination. It was exotic. Like people still go to New York for, for vacations and trips, but like back then that, that was like an exotic trip. But they didn't do shit. They hung out Not in that hotel time. room the whole Not time. Easy. They even had a Christmas party in the hotel room. Yeah. <laughs> Which really looks like their apartment. I mean it's very lived in. That made it a little more confusing. Too. It's clearly like the penthouse suite, man. Yeah, man. Jesus Christ. It's even yeah, got they, two beds. Got, <laughs> which they refused to share. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. At the end of the movie, yeah. they fuck, and they're like, finally, some alone time. And I'm like, you guys have been alone, like, the whole time, just not touching. Yeah, yeah. I want everything that they have in the relationship, but I would like to include some sex. Yeah, but you would take the dog. I said everything. Yeah, sure. everything. Yeah, I know what you mean, man. You're retired. He's This guy's retired. I know he's investigating this mystery, but it's only because it turns out he knows the girl. So what happens is the dad, the inventor guy, he goes missing. And uh, the daughter comes to Nick and he's like, find my dad, all right? And then later he turns up dead. But first, they think he's a murderer because other people are turning up dead. That's the plot of the movie. Yeah, exactly. And the lawyer is a character, the lawyer who's like the middleman of giving money. You're saying that because he's a he's the killer. But I I felt 
as it is a satisfying ending I, because there's the whole parlor room scene and it goes on for 15 fucking minutes yeah, and it's no, just I, that, that's actually not why I was saying it I was just trying to name some of the other tertiary characters and I just started with I him wouldn't have even remembered I wouldn't have even remembered that character though if he didn't turn out to be the killer Oh no, I would have because he has that funny scene in the beginning where he's talking to Winan as he's going up the uh, freight elevator and he keeps going up and he's like, well, "How do I reach you? You don't tell me anything. Where are you going to be? What do I do with the business?" And then it's like Macaulay, Macaulay. He keeps coming. He keeps coming back over and over again. And I will tell you, I actually this is another signature of this movie's uh, the way it kind of gets you. I definitely found myself totally stumped as to who this murderer was going to be. I didn't know. I had suspicions of other characters, and when it turned out to be the lawyer, I was very surprised. Well, these movies don't really help you along much. There are clues and stuff, but a lot of it is just like William Powell kind of wandering through life and then all of a sudden getting like an aha moment and calling the entire cast together. Yeah, very, uh, very Colonel Mustard in the uh, very going on there with the end here. Yes, and you know that appeals to me, man. Yeah, yeah. I didn't expect that in the movie. I didn't know it was going to be that kind of movie. They did the same thing in the sequel where they get everybody together in a room and just he does a whole uh, post post psycho scene where he just explains the entire thing. But that's fine. Because I think I needed it explained. <laughs> it's very no, Columbo. no, no. It's necessary. It's it is very Columba, but it's cool. I, I, I like yeah, that, I and I like that it came back in the second one. I hope it's a convention that stays through all six. Yeah, I can't imagine that it wouldn't be. But I, I, I did like the reveal of how he discovers that Winant has not been missing and has not killed anyone. I mean, that was very creative. But again, it's not something we were privy to. It's just like oh. Nick knew something. Well, but there is a scene where he sh- He's got shows- shin splints. Yeah, he shows he sees an x-ray, if I recall, and he sees shrapnel. Oh, that was set up. Oh, you're right. I remember noticing that and feeling like that seems like an extraneous detail. Yeah, that's <laughs> why I noticed it. I mean, they're looking at an x-ray, which first of all, I kept trying to remember when was the first x-ray invented? And I remembered, I think it was like in the 1880s or some shit. But anyway, 1930. So yeah, he's looking at the x-rays and he sees that uh, there's shrapnel in there because uh, Winant was in the war that Dan doesn't think was really a war. Uh, World War One. It's a fine war. It was just so far outdone by the sequel. It's a fine war. That's a great title for a World War One movie. A fine it's war. It's a fine war. Yeah. Stephen Frears would direct it. Yeah, and then another, the World War Two movie would be called Another Fine War. Pretty good, man. After the fine war. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, so yeah, Nick realizes. Oh, wait a minute. That's not a. That's not an anonymous person's body. That is not a fat man because they thought it was a fat man's body because he was putting oversized clothes. It's actually a thin man. The thin man of the movie is Winant, and he just has to discover uh, who killed him. They do. Uh, the way he explains it is fascinating. It still didn't quite make me understand the lawyer Macaulay his true reason i mean is his reason that he's just embezzling money from this guy that's all it is yeah i mean i guess so right yeah that's it taking his patents or whatever 
Yeah, he's just embezzling the dude's money, and and Wynant was silly enough to trust this lawyer. Uh, and uh, lawyers, phooey, kind of phooey. But look, if we're wrapping up that, we're plot, not wrapping up. I have so much more to say. You oh, like you I jumped us like to you, the end. No, you did. I wasn't. You, you went right to Macaulay and said he was the killer. I was just mentioning characters. Go ahead, talk. All right, all um, right, Henry. Take your notes. Let's read your notes. I'm reading my notes. No, I meant that in a good way. You get a lot of notes. <laughs> I do. Let's, let's hear your so, notes. So, uh, just beyond the setup, I want to talk about the middle portion where, where like, the mystery is happening. So, the setup goes on for, like, probably 25, 30 minutes. And, but then what happens is the secretary is murdered. Right. Who's that again? Which uh... The inventor has a secretary who's also his lover. Oh, Julia. Julia. Yeah. Yeah, and I like blonde. I like how she's set up earlier in the movie when um, the daughter's introducing her fiance to the to the dad, and the fiance goes, "Why'd your mother divorce him? I think he's swell." <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> yes, yes, and the daughter responds, "It seems he has a secretary." I like that. that. I like the daughter knowing so much about her dad's sex life, and it sets up that character who's going to be murdered. And that the daughter understands her own family is really fucked up, so she shows, like, zero animosity to her dad for even having an affair with this totally, woman. Totally, totally. <laughs> he has a secretary on the side. It's a side piece. My it's dad cool. needed some strange. <laughs> he had to get his dick wet. Which All was right. even funnier because Wynant looks like he's 88 years old. And yeah, he's I, a real, like, like, absent-minded professor type. And old looking. So I was like, wait, he's having an effect. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So uh, Nick and Nora, they mostly just hang out and squabble and, and get along. Um, Nora <laughs> is more a part of this movie than she is in the second one. And if I have a big complaint about the second one, it's that I feel like Nick was constantly finding excuses to do shit without her. Yeah, he was. And I prefer it when it's the two of them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I, I don't I don't know why that decision was made, but yeah, it's the platonic true. ideal of Thin Man scenes is the two of them talking about nothing and Asta sitting in the corner popping balloons. Yeah, he only pops one balloon. But, but it's my right. favorite moment in the entire movie. Really? It, it's so much so that I watched this movie like a year ago, Henry. Yeah. And I remembered it. I was waiting for it. Like, I put this movie on, and my first thought was like, all right, when's Asta going to pop that balloon? Oh, my God. <laughs> Asta, does, Asta does so much cool shit, though. I didn't I didn't. Find but it's the so cute. He's, like, pushing it around, then it pops. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> you know one thing I don't think I could really ever figure out in either of the movies? Is, is Asta... Whose dog originally was Asta? Oh, that's a great question. I think it's hers. That's what I think, but they almost make it feel like it's his. Well, I, I think they're co-parenting the dog at this point, Henry. I, I think you're right. It's a co-parenting job, but it's he seems much closer to Asta. He seems like he's got this kind of... Well, boys and their dogs, you know? Yeah, it's true. It's good. Man's best friend, right? Man's Not best friend, that's right. Great movie. Right. Um... <laughs> Ellen Barkin. 
all right. So they have the Christmas party. Let's talk about that. And then all of a sudden, this family, they all start individually showing up at the Christmas party to say, like, this guy's a murderer. I'm not a murderer. You know, whatever. There's a lot of squabbling. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> There's good chemistry between that family cast, too. Yeah. I liked I liked the weird douchebag brother. The brother, which one? The one who's obsessed with criminals and psychoanalysis. And oh, that was killers? good, too. But I was thinking of the other one. Oh, the other douchebag. Yeah. Um, Caesar Romero, that brother. Yeah, I didn't realize it was him while I was watching it, but I guess it was. Yeah, He'll that, be in your superhero account, huh? Yeah, he is. He's he's the sh- kind of the shade. He's, I believe, the shadier one. Right, the guy's a little quick to anger. That yes, brother. yeah, yeah, exactly. I kind of yeah. like that. Um, yeah, yeah. All yeah. right, so uh, Nora walks in on Nick talking to the daughter of the inventor, and she, I love Nora. She'll she'll give a look like, excuse right. me, but she doesn't actually care because she knows. Yeah, that, that her husband. They're loyal. just so tight. Yeah, I've never been in a relationship like that where both of us were just 100% certain that, like, nothing's going to happen, baby. I love it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I love it. It's really, really unique. It's a great thing, especially in this, like, era where it feels like adultery was kind of like a big deal in the movies. Like, everyone had in every movie, it's in the 30s and 40s, everybody had, like, a a girl on the side or a man on the side. A gumar. Yeah. (laughs) And these two are just... For each other. That's it. They love each other. So just, uh, yeah. William Powell goes, I used to bounce her on my knee. And and Nora responds, which knee? Can I touch it? It's <laughs> a good joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of good jokes in this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, later Nora finds Nick hugging the daughter and they, they make like the same like cute face at each other. Like, uh Oh, Nick and Nora do? They make very cute faces, these two. They do. They do. They do. Uh, and, and They're so charming. Dan is, in, Dan is smitten. And Myrna yeah. Loy's cute, man. She is. She's, she's, she's something I mean, I else. know she's, like, you know, being chewed up by maggots at this point. But <laughs> at the time, what a beautiful woman. What a wonderful way to remember Myrna Loy. She was actually, I read about her a little bit. She was a hell of a person, too. I know. I knew I knew if you read about her, you'd be impressed because she is, like, really, like, the first female, like, famous liberal. Yeah, she's, like, an activist. Yeah. Big, big time. I mean, in terms of, like, Hollywood liberals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Big, big, big activist. William Powell. He just was what a tragic. Listen, Did you read that. I, let's talk about William Powell. Jesus, this poor. He bastard. comes to Hollywood with who was it? Gene Seberg or something? No, no, no. <laughs> his second wife was Gene Harlow. Oh, who's but the first fir- wife? Uh, I don't remember her name, but but she died. She dies at twenty six. Okay. And it- Plane, plane crash, I think. Oh, oh, that's the first wife. Right. The first yeah. wife, they get divorced. A couple years later, she dies in a plane crash. Okay? Second wife. I didn't know they were divorced when she died. I thought she died. They were divorced. They were divorced. Okay. But then his second still. wife, while they're still married, suddenly dies at the age of 26. Here's what I have to say about uh, Nick here. <laughs> I think we got to get a real-life Nick and Nora on the case. 
I think this guy's a wife murderer. I don't trust it one bit. There'd be a Netflix special. Check the black box on that airplane. Let Let me tell you something. Gene Harlow is one of those people I think they've been doing endless fucking mysteries. How did she really die? And then it's like you read about it and it's like she died of fucking kidney failure. She She's like eight something. It's fucking 1920-something. Of course, she just died. William Powell. You don't buy it, huh? You don't buy it. Mm, yeah. I don't know if I trust it, man. But then he had his, la- his other wife, his third wife, lived. They were together until 1984, and he died a pretty... Awful death, too. He killed himself. No, he didn't. Oh, I'm thinking of somebody else. How did he die? (laughs) Like uh, just some kind of kidney failure, terrible, you know, not pleasant way to go. But But uh, do you know about W.S. Van Dyke? No, go ahead. I might. I don't remember. Go ahead. I don't think I did. He. Not his death, no. He was uh, a Christian scientist, Henry. Great. Okay. So he would not accept any medication of any kind. And in his final years, he was only in his early 50s. He was wasting away of probably the flu. And and he wrote letters to his family members and his bosses at the studio, and he killed himself. Jesus fucking Christ. Mm -hmm. Thanked him. He said, no ill will, but uh, seems it's my time. I, I uh, listen, everybody. I uh, wanted to live a long life, but I got a spider bite, and I couldn't put any uh, medicine on it. Couldn't get it seen. I'm just gonna let it get septic, and uh, <laughs> it's gonna go. It's gonna infect my whole body. But there's nothing I can do about it. It would be against the laws of my religion. But you know what's not against the laws of my religion? Mm-hmm. Suicide. See, I wondered about that, Henry. Is he now going to hell, or are the Christian scientists different about that sort of thing? I, I don't Maybe know. they don't believe in hell. I they don't believe know. in any science. Wait, hell's not science. Hell's not science. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Henry. <laughs> Seems a little suspect to me, W.S. I don't trust any of these thin man people. Maybe he didn't die and came back again as Paul W.S. Anderson. Oh, please, well, then I'm a big fan of his. Now you already are, so. Yeah. All right, well, uh, then what happens? Uh, oh, oh, so th- what happens is one of the interesting things is Nick really doesn't have that much interest in the case, and Nora's the one that wants him to do it. Yes. I feel like the, the cinematic cliche has become the wife like trying to get her husband to stay away from the line of danger I found it interesting that this is one where the woman like because they live these retired life, lives of yep. leisure and then Nora is just she says to him wouldn't you like to do a little detecting once in a while for fun yeah and that might as well be like... the thesis statement of this movie yeah, I bet that true. was in the trailer it's a little bit like Manhattan murder mystery where you got like the the woman, the wife. Well, probably that's a little like this. Uh, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Woody Allen, um, you know, loves this shit. Of course he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it is it is cool to see that. Um, I, it would have been neat though. I mean, it, I can't ask too much. It's 1934, but it would have been cool to see. I was sort of expecting Nora to be kind of part of 
figuring out the case. No, I'm so sorry, Henry. Not. That's too much to ask. That's a little bit much. She's yeah. she's just kind of ornamental. She his... can have agency, but she can't have thoughts. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much Nick completely figuring out every detail. She doesn't even know it going into the parlor scene. Like it's no, that's right. Yeah, she's hanging on to his every word. That's the one thing. Although maybe it creates the sexual tension for their three-year uh, tantric orgasm <laughs> on the train. Yeah. Uh, that God, he'd be infuriating to be with, right? Right? Because she's like, wouldn't you be like if you were Nord? Just be like, can you just fucking tell me? Yeah, so yeah. I to it he now? really is like the fucking smartest man like, in the room. I can't wait. Well, hold on one second, baby. One more martini won't won't kill you. No. <laughs> All she wants to do is know what who can. He never tells her anything. Just give like, me a name. Yeah. All right, you don't need to tell me the whole story. I'll wait for that. <laughs> man, woman. I might I might be shot. Initials. How about initials? Am I seated at the right angle? Am I going to die when you reveal to a table of 14? You know, Am she I... almost does die. We didn't talk about the scene where a gunman comes into their bedroom. Morelli. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, it, you know, <laughs> in, in attempting to shield Nora from from being shot at, he punches her in the face and that knocks her out. That was crazy. What the fuck was that? I thought, honestly, when he did that. Just push her down. I, <laughs> I honestly did think when he did that, it was like to distract and and the guy with the gun to be like, whoa, what is he doing? Like that kind of thing. Well, like if when, that was the plan, and I think you're being kind, then it's a good one. Like in Speed, when 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 uh, Keanu Reeves shoots Def, Jeff Daniels in the leg, and he it throws off Dennis Hopper, like he doesn't know what to do then if he's going to shoot his own partner. Right, right. Good one, man. Speed, you like that. We've pull? covered it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. No problem, bro. All right. Um, what happens? Uh, uh, all right, I'm done. Oh, I I wrote more stuff about how Nora makes cute faces on the phone. <laughs> they sing Christmas carols. Uh, yeah. There's a big fat guy weeping, calling his his. Mom I liked that guy in San Francisco, right? Yeah. At one point, there's a newspaper boy who's like extra, extra. I enjoyed that. Oh yeah. There's everything you could possibly think or mm -hmm. want is should be in a 1930s movie is in this movie. And then the party starts at the end with 15 minutes, a full 15 minutes to go. Like they're really gonna do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I noticed that when I was watching it. I was like, And you could tell, like, oh, this is the post. end. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. uh it it's almost like in like Scream when they show up at like the party at the end. It's like, All right, baby, let's wrap this bad boy up. That's I right, I referenced scream. scream. Uh so right, at the end they get on the uh the train. They're going on a cross country train trip. And uh, they're with the daughter and the fiancé from the inventor couple. And then uh, they finally leave, and they, they go fuck, and Asta covers his eyes. It's very cute. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's a really tight movie, too. I appreciated greatly the 90 minutes. Uh, there's really You know what? A... You're totally right. That second one is an hour and 52 minutes, and you really oh. feel that extra 22 really minutes. Do. There's a lot of extraneous shit in the second one, I gotta say. Um, but this one is tight. It's like not a line wasted, not a shot wasted. 
it's 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 just very tight. I mean, there's just not much of anything that shouldn't be there. You know, I think they've got it down. It's great. And even the shit that like you'd cut is like the best stuff in the movie, like him, yep. you know, shooting balloons and shit. Now it's the Yeah, that. that was so bizarre. But I guess it was just like funny. I read that he was just doing that in between takes. Yeah, like there was and, an air gun on yeah. the set and he just started shooting balloons and they shot it. And the same with his introduction, shaking the martinis to rhythm. Apparently that was just Powell just doing shit like that and didn't tell and uh, Dyke didn't tell him to Van uh, Dyke. Don't call him Dyke. <laughs> a dyke is what separates Is that what you call Dick water. Van Dyke? Like it, if you're it, writing an article about him? Was, dyke that was great on his was, TV show. It, it, a, a, a dyke is just something that water goes through a dam. I know. It, I don't know what your thinking i'm jam your finger up there right well it plugs the holes in a dam mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a that's a dike i know i know it, Henry. It, that's a dike spelled different all right different. uh what do you give this movie i'm giving this movie um a four i know i toggled with a five because it is kind of a classic and that's it's... what we leave fives for but it's just such light it's such a light gentle movie that that part of me doesn't want to give it that but am well, i being a snob i don't think you're being a snob i mean my reasoning for giving it a five was just that like i i didn't mind that it was i mean it's really funny too because it's not really a genre i care for you know the light comedy of of even of this era is not the stuff i gravitate towards but for me the five i mean it's not completely perfect it's not like a masterpiece. But you know what part of it. it is? You know, it, it's W.S. Van Dyke is just such a workmanlike director that like from yeah, on a screenplay true. level and on a performance level, yeah. it is absolutely fucking delightful. Right. And it's a five. And W.S. Van Dyke does a perfectly serviceable job with it. And he tells the story and the pacing is good. But uh, it, it's just like very point and shoot. There's like nothing to it, even for its era. Yeah. And and. When it was over, I, I actually could imagine watching this again. I will watch this again in my life. I, I, I've now I seen just, it three times. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I didn't feel like, I mean, classic was just, I don't know, like a, a masterpiece. Just didn't feel quite like that to me. I didn't get All that. Right, so we'll that stick with four. Who's your MVP? Um, You know, it was a little hard because I loved everyone in it. But I have to say because he was a discovery for me and he's so fucking cool. That's William Powell. No, I'm so sorry. The correct answer is Asta. Okay, now I anticipated this, mm-hmm. and I want to uh, call you on bullshit because we pick dogs and animals when there are uh-huh. no alternatives, uh-huh. and there are plenty of alternatives. Okay, but what you're not taking into consideration is I'm not picking Asta as an alternative. I'm saying he's that great a dog. I'm sorry, uh, everybody, that Dan is not acknowledging the greatness <laughs> of the performances. But I'll give a runner-up to Myrna Loy for all her cute Myrna faces. Loy. Oh, no, we do run it, runner-up. All right, all her little fine. scrunch noses. If if there if there's a really bad thin man movie that we come across, then Asta will get it for me. But uh, right now, it's William Powell. Okay, Dan gives it to the dog. Uh-huh. Uh huh. LVP. That this was hard. I. I have a one. I have one for after the Thin Man, but for this it's one, it's the LVP, lawyer. Give me a better. Give me a better killer. 
That's not a bad choice, except the problem is he's got a lot of lines and he's not bad in it. He's they just not don't give bad, him any, but they don't give him any villain time. He has no unraveling. All right, you if I may say, good. the villain in the second one is fucking Jimmy Stewart, and what's fun about that is yeah. the whole time he's doing like his milk toast bullshit, yeah. annoying yeah. Jimmy Stewart thing. So it's a cool reveal when he turns into I the killer. I totally agree. Yeah, I agree. But in this movie, you just cast him. It's an anonymous guy. I don't know if he was like a known character actor at the time but yeah 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 but uh i I don't know i I just could have used something more not that i'm like giving him shit he was fine well you know what then i mean i guess i'll go with you because i was gonna try to find like somebody who just wasn't that great an actor but they're really not any there's not anybody like that but when contrasted with the other one the, the i feel like the villain reveal could have been the reveal is good. Give me a minute and a half with the with the lawyer to to be evil. He shoots his gun and then they arrest him and it's over. It, and yeah, it's, like, it's a real panic situation. Yeah, they should have let him like pull the gun out and have something to say. A little speech, a little Bond villain speech. Yeah, you know, and then and then William Powell could have a one line funny retort, cut yeah. to Myrtle Loy making a cute face, and then he takes the guy out. Bingo, bango, bongo. Yeah. So Cut to Asta popping a balloon. There you go. I, I'm going to go with him to uh, Macaulay. That's Macaulay. Great. Henry, superhero count? One. Cesar Romero. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll just Cesar go. Romero, for people who don't know, is the Joker in the TV series Batman from the 60s and the movie. Batman. That's right. He's the second after- best Joker. He's fucking great, man. He's the Joker I grew up on. Mm-hmm. Um, in the second movie, I have two. Oh, well, you could do your theme for that. Oh, right, since I didn't do it now. Uh-huh. Yes, remind me. Will do, Henry. Um, uh, oh, d- Henry, one thing I wrote down about this movie. Th- this is W.S. Van Dyke for you, one take Woody or whatever. They gave him a three-week schedule to make this movie. 21 days, and he finished it in 12. Wow. Isn't that... That's insanity. Jeez. He didn't even need two weeks to make this fucking movie. That's crazy, man. Well, I mean, that's pretty impressive. I mean, God... I know, but, you know, set up some interesting lighting. Give me... (laughs) Give me some better sets. They gave gave you... What did they give him? 200,000 bucks. Yeah. He's got some money money. to spend on this thing. Yeah, it's true. He's like, I don't need all that money. Can you give me less? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe pocketed it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. All right. After the Thin Man, let's talk about it. W.S. Van Dyke, back to direct. Hackett and Goodrich, back to right. We're bringing the gang back together. It is... A two-year window, two-and-a-half-year, close yeah. to the magical three-year window. You didn't need that much time back then. All yeah. right, December 25th release, Christmas Day, not Memorial Day. Christmas Day, 1936. Because mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's a New Year's movie. You know, the first one's kind of a Christmas movie. Why didn't they release that closer to Christmas? We didn't even say that, yeah. Maybe they weren't sure how it would it would do, you know? I don't know. Now, this is also back when they would just put movies out. Like, they didn't think uh, about release dates. Right. Yeah. We've talked about that. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, all right. Uh, budget, Henry, of $673,000. Wow, they tripled their budget. Pretty good. Sure. Uh, and uh, it was a huge hit. It made $3.165 million. 
and it was the number four film of 1936, Henry. Man, man alive. You want to guess those other four? You think you could do it? Nope, I don't. Not for a second. All right, here's the top five highest grossing movies of 1936. I thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, Number five is Modern Times by Chaplin. So we're still putting out silent films on the regs, and they're making money. Boy, we had a more educated film audience, too. Jeez. All right. The uh, number four is this. Number three is something called Lloyd's of London that I've never heard of. Lloyd's of London. Harold Lloyd? Tyrone Power is involved. All right. Harold Lloyd, who's that? Comedian. Famous comedian of the era. You don't know who Harold Lloyd is? No, I really don't. The guy hanging from the clock in the famous black and white shot. Oh, sure. Safety something. I don't remember. All right, Henry, but now listen to the top two movies of this year. And this is how big The Thin Man was. Okay. All right, so number four is After the Thin Man. Number two is a movie called San Francisco, directed by W.S. Van Dyke. Oh, wow. Because he was making like five movies a year. He makes them in 12 days. (laughs) Yeah. And the number one movie was The Great Ziegfeld, which also won Best Picture. And the stars of that movie, Henry, are William Powell and Myrna Loy. Wow. Jeez. That's amazing. Well, I read that Myrna Loy had not had much of a big career before the thin man like she was kind of being typecast in a lot of damsel in distress she roles played and... a lot of asians yeah which is which is gross now you can't watch any of those movies yeah uh powell was doing just fine but like i think like the two of them together this really just launched them so i guess it revitalized that... powell's career and it really launched Loy's, as far yeah. as i can tell yeah, yeah i'm sure after this podcast i'll have to listen to you Hours of my father correcting me and telling me long drawn out stories. About... I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I'd be interested to hear those stories. All right. Can you listen to them and then abridge yeah. them for me? Have them call me. It's okay. <laughs> I'll bridge them. <laughs> oh, okay. So uh, let's talk about this movie. It opens with some very fun opening credits where you get to see little drawings of the Thin Man crew. Yeah, that was weird. And then we get Asta. He gets his own credit. And it also He's... says Asta with Mrs. Asta. What is this now? Yeah, that was goofy. That was goofy and cute. Uh, I have important little, questions about goofy. this. It's not really ever resolved either. Their relationship. Their relationship. Mi- Mrs. Asta? He comes home. They come home from this vacation. We get to see Asta come up to the house. Nick and Nora aren't even around. Asta like gets his own sequence here. Yeah, he gets a lot of screen. He has a subplot solo, in this movie. Solo subplot with yeah. Asta. He comes to the backyard. There's a giant pen, like you see it like an African safari. And in it, it is Mrs. Asta, which is a female version of him, and a bunch of little Astas. And I'm like... What happened here? Why they took him on vacation Very away confused. from his family? 
I don't know. I, I uh, when I was watching this first movie, I didn't know this was like a dog who's like, when the family's away, the dog will play. He doesn't get to pop balloons at home. He's rearing children. Here's my here here's my theory. If you if you'd like to hear it, okay. tell me. I Asta really strikes me as kind of his own man, his own type of dog. I don't see him settling down. I agree, and, which is why this family doesn't make sense to me. I, mean, I feel like it's out of character for Asta. Can I fan it? Let me fan it. Can I fan it? <laughs> Go ahead. I can't fan it, please, Larry. Please, for the love of sweet Jesus. All right, Asta. I don't think that that's Asta's wife. I think that Nick and Nora are just being cute. At, you're looking it up right now, aren't you? No, I was doing something oh. else. I thought I might have fucked something up, but I didn't. Oh, no, that's good to well, know. Well, Nick and Nora uh, are being cute because they're always being cute. That's correct. I think they just named another dog that they had who was a female Mrs. Astor. No, 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 of course. Oh. But clearly they're married. Asta and Mrs. Asta? You know that Nick and Nora had a ceremony for these two. Oh, yeah. There's, there's pictures in that house of these two kissing. But what I'm saying is I got the impression due to Asta acting like he was very unfamiliar with the territory there that maybe Mrs. Asta was territory. a— Territory, right? Nice one. Thanks. That maybe Mrs. Asta was like an after purchase, and Asta has not met Mrs. Well, Asta. Well, like arranged marriage. Clearly, this is an invention of the writers for the sequel. Okay, that in this first movie, Asta, they would have mentioned it. I feel like they would have. William Powell, a hundred percent, would have been like, "Hey, Asta, you miss your wife." Right, and, and, ah! the, other, <laughs> and the other thing, the other thing is, is. If they are married, I don't know that I'm too comfortable with Mrs. Asta being courted by this other dog that that goes underneath the shed. Uh, she's clearly being kind of a tramp because I you know, listen. Don't blame the victim here. What are you blaming her for attracting attention? She's a lovely dog. Yes, <laughs> not blaming both of them. She's is she being unfaithful to Asta? I'm definitely not. not definitely not. I'm, I'm, Okay, so it, oh, and it's also a little bit. Listen, Asta a, just left town. Let her get a little attention. Maybe show yeah. a little thigh and let Asta, you know, defend her. She's got like six kids to take care of. She's not having any. Hey, she's still that. looking pretty good. Uh, you say so for Mr. six Be kids. You're saying you say so, Mister Bestiality. Listen. Whoa, whoa! Listen. I never <laughs> said sexually. It's a fine dog. I watched the Westminster Kennel Club dog show. I know how to judge these these toy poodles. Good boy. Let's get Not him a, poodles. Get him, a, get him a pipe and a little hat. Sherlock Holmes. She's part of the uh, toy group. <laughs> um, the Grey the Ghost. Little, did, <laughs> <laughs> hey, R.I.P. Fred Willard once again. Oh, hey, and R.I.P. Joel Schumacher happened today. Franchise yeah. All-Star. Did uh, yeah. two Batman movies that we've covered on the show. Yeah. And, and many more fine films. And he was associated in some capacity with speed, right? No, that's Joel Silver. No, yeah, no, 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 no. But Schumacher recommended John DeBont to direct yeah, that maybe, movie. Maybe, maybe. But, but how about all the great name? Let's go back and forth naming the great Joel Schumacher movies. Go. I'm going to be serious. You, you might be joking. 
Falling down. He wrote car wash. Okay. Didn't see it. Flatliners. All right. The Lost Boys. Okay. Didn't see it. All the way through. Uh, St. Almost Fire. About last night. About. He, he didn't direct that. Yes, he did. It's Ed's Wick. We just talked about it. Oh, that you're right. Movie. You're right. All right. Movie. I'll yeah. amend it. Tigerland. Yes. All right. My favorite Joel Schumacher movies are Falling Down, Flatliners, and Tigerland. They're great movies. Phone oh, and booth. A Time to Kill. A Time to Kill. The Client. No. 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 Come on. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Please. 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 What else? Uh, flawless. I like that. You didn't. Yeah. yeah I yeah. just rewatched it. It's better than I remembered. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. Look, Joel Schumacher, we talked a lot of shit about him, but he was a very good director. He, no, he for, a, he's look, he's made some of the worst movies ever made, but when Joel Schumacher was on, they were good movies. They really were. He made were, good and movies. He, and he also had a very distinct visual style, like almost like a la Tony Scott. He had that kind of like glowing blues and reds. You know, I'm not talking about the saying almost fire. No, you're here. right. You're right. A lot of, lot of color. Phone booth is all blues and reds. Yeah, and Flatliners is an amazing looking movie, and uh, you know he he's a, he's, he was a cool director, and he always uh, I, I, it's too bad that he's gone. He lived to be eighty, but good for know. him. A R. toast Joel. to Joel Schumacher. In this movie, they'd have seven, teen, <laughs> seventeen toast. Good point. Do you think yeah. there was a little implicit racism in the movie where the dog that Mrs. Astis cheating on is black? No, but I do think there was some racism in the movie and that the only black character in either movie is the guy who serves their food on the train. Who actually returns in the second movie. You're getting better at your job every day, Dudley. Dudley, yeah, great. Yeah, but uh, uh, anyway, I thought the dog thing, maybe the dog was black and that was a bad uh, that was a bad thing. But anyway, dog, that dog's cute too. All the dogs are cute. I don't find all dogs cute. I found the Thin Man dogs cute. Regardless, this movie starts. <laughs> all right, they're back in town, all right? They're in Los Angeles. They get off the train. They get in a car. They're having a real nice time. They know everybody in Los Angeles. There's a, there's everybody there. The well, she's a big socialite. No, 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 no. When they get off the train. Oh, no, so- you're right. You're right. Tell us about the case. How'd it go? I love that. I love that. Because, the yeah, this this is d- two years later, but it's taking place directly after the first one, yeah, which I is like nice. That. Yeah. Very cool. It's a, it brings back a familiarity. There, There's some connection there. It's connective tissue. It's exactly what we complained about with Ace Ventura. Yeah, that's totally right. And so, like, and he, you know. Yeah. And that's, we basically we what we meet her. They're, they want to settle in and relax. Well, first we, we meet all his friends. He's friends with all these low lives, and then she's Great. friends with with like just rich people. Uh, we meet um, Nick has a friend who's a purse snatcher, who tries Fingers. to snatch his 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 wife's purse. Yeah, his name is Fingers, which is perfect. And he also meet, there's a boxer friend named Bump. Bump. Yeah. yeah. I was uh, disappointed we only got one uh, one or two. I thought there'd be about 40. Uh, only one or two uh, heavily stereotyped uh, besides the Chinese. We'll get to that. Uh, I We got only one Jewish stereotype, very bad, and only a couple Italians and a couple Irish stereotypes. Only a few. I was expecting a lot more. 
Well, it's only part two of six. <laughs> There's plenty of time. Mm-hmm. Did you notice anybody who was completely plastered in one of the joints talked like this? Of course. Everyone. Yeah. All right, so they get. got a couple of gangsters with Italian last names, obviously. They get into town, and it's already time to throw them a surprise party. It's yes. a, it's New Year's, too. They get in I, on New Year's. I felt bad for them, actually. Why'd you feel bad for them? Oh, because, yeah, why don't you, they oh, want to relax, get off the you, fucking they're train. They're obviously tired, and, like, they walk in, all these fucking people are in their house, and they can't even, re- I mean, I mean, I, I felt less bad after I realized that they just got over it and got drunk. They didn't care. But, yeah, they have a party, and they sing some songs, and Nick. it's actually on Nick and Norm, I think. Nick and Nora's what? Sorry, I have a poor connection currently. Oh, that was the joke I'd been waiting to tell for two hours. Oh, say uh, they it. were playing on, they were they were playing songs at the Christmas party, the New Year's party from Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Oh, great one. Uh, yeah, I thought of making a Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist reference myself. <laughs> I saw that movie in it. theaters, Henry. Never saw it. The best scene is when he fingers her. Um with fingers, the, the <laughs> fingers. It's me, fingers. How would you like some of this, Cat Dennings? No, thank you. No, thank you. Please, sir. See. No, thank you. I have to be in a Thor movie and make some comments. I have some comments to make. Check out my Ooh. boobs. Didn't know you felt like that about little Cat Dennings. She's all right. She's all right. I thought you'd like someone like you. Love those. I'm types. attracted to her. Yeah, you love those. She's good in 40-Year-Old Virgin. She is good. She's very funny in that. Okay. Uh, At the surprise party, it's it's thrown by uh, Nora's rich family. So we get to meet her Aunt Catherine, who's sort of like one of these. Too much. Too much. It's too much, man. This is what I didn't want in the first one, and I didn't get it. And this movie is chock full of them, I kept thinking about how when she was a kid, her family probably owned slaves. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? Please. What's their last name in this? uh, No, he's Charles. He's Nick Charles. What's what's Nora's maiden name? That would have Dyke. (laughs) No, it's probably like Stonewall Jackson. Nora Lee. She she always refers to herself as Mrs. Nick Charles. That's such a weird old timey thing. Hey, you can use your own name. You still have a first name, dude. They did. They they do that. They do it now. I know. I know. It's. I. I still think it's weird. Of course, it's weird. But yeah, they definitely own slaves. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Um, Nick's having a real good time at this uh, surprise party, just joshing everybody. I love everybody. Answered the door, and he goes. Is this the waxworks? Yeah, <laughs> just Josh and the shit. The best scene in the entire movie, Henry, the Asta popping a balloon of this movie yeah. is Nick sitting at the dinner table at this party <laughs> as these like four elderly men are all sleeping around him and he's just like carrying on a conversation with them. I loved it. I thought it was actually a really nice sleep. I think it started great. And he drew it out too long by showing them overly snoring. No, no, I liked that. Because it got overly absurd by the end of it. Yeah, it it did. But But I I liked that. 
And I knew from the opening, the great part about it was I knew from this shot of him talking that I just knew they were all not, they were all asleep. I knew it. And then when they showed them, it made it even Oh, right. Funny. It starts on a close-up of him and then pans yeah. out. Yeah. And I knew they were not, they were either not listening or totally asleep. And I was right. And it was hilarious. It was funny. Yeah. I, I was very happy to find this kind of stuff funny. He's it was such like a, a part- he's a rascal. He's very funny, man. William Pye. I like this dude. He's wily. He's wily. He's a sly guy. I smiled a lot. Yeah. Uh, okay, so while that's going on, Nora is getting the getting the, the tea spilled um, from her family. It turns out that her sister, Selma. Selma. Yeah. Her husband's name is Robert, and he has gone missing. He's been missing for a few days, and they think they know where he is. We know where he is. It's no big deal. Never involve the police. Sure. Yes. Um, and uh, so they're like, well, let's go see what's going on with that. Uh, so he's at a Chinese restaurant. They go to the Chinese restaurant uh, where the first thing we see is his, the woman that he's cheating with, performing a production number of Blow That Horn. Yeah, and we get to hear the entire song, uh, hour and fifty-two minute runtime. If you're looking for something to cut, start here. <laughs> she really does do the whole song. And yeah. At first, at first, I couldn't believe it. It's like we heard two verses, a chorus. By the time she's starting the <laughs> interlude, I'm like, "What? I'm still listening to this." And to use one of your words that you like to use frequently. At, when she started it, I was like, oh, this is going to be delightful. Yeah. I could, because I could get to see what a 1930s in the 30s. and But then by the, the 10th minute, I was kind of like, oh. Yeah. This is, this is a then ballad. there's a musical interlude where she's tap dancing. The, the women come out from the sides after yes. a while. It's like, holy shit, this is no joke. Yeah. So yeah. then there's a lot of stuff happening during that number. Yeah, yeah I, I, I gotta say, involving in terms of the Thin Man, I reject all scenes that don't have Nick or Nora in them. Yeah, that's an interesting point. It didn't really occur to me because they're in almost. I reject every scene, it. They're in almost every scene, but you're right. There are when they're not in it, you kind of there's a vacant there there's a vapidity yeah, there's a scene with like the owner of this restaurant chatting yeah, yeah. with a mobster i'm like dancer, you can dancer. keep this shit yeah, yeah. dancer then, i know dancer he might be my lvp because he's kind of a no he's not he's a kind of a boring character and he was so everywhere he was in so many scenes that i was really like this is. guy has to be the killer and then when he wasn't, I was like, then why did I have to sit through so much of this character? Well, the thing with this this one is, is there are there's too many characters and there's too many crimes because there's not just the murder. Yeah, there's, there's crimes there's, that don't even connect. No, at the end, they arrest, they fight, they get Jimmy Stewart, but then they get Dancer and uh, what's her face? The, the dancer, the dancer. Yeah, uh, Whatever. Anyone that that is remotely morally compromised in this movie gets arrested at the end. What? Anyone anyone morally compromised in this movie gets arrested at the end. Yes. Yes. Uh, What did you think of Lum Yuck? That's the Asian fella? Mm -hmm. That's the Asian fella? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought that uh, he... um, 
you know, I mean, it's a little gross. Just a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, it was too bad because you always know that shit's coming. And then there's always that part of my brain that thinks many enlightened people in every era we've lived in, and maybe in the 1936 film After the Thin Man, maybe William Powell said, do I really have to say the line, me no looky? Yeah. Well, but, but that's comedy. You, that's comedy, baby. Looking yeah. at other races like they are other. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of that. Uh, anyway. He's the, uh, of, of the anyway. Asian stereotypes, this was the fat angry, right? Yeah, and making fun of how they talk a lot. That well, was sure, big. sure. That's a dime a dozen, huh? It was big. Yeah, well, we covered Rush Hour. That's that's every joke in those movies. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> that was 2001. Yeah, that's just <laughs> six hours of flied lice jokes. You're right. You know what? After the Thin Man isn't that unenlightened. It's it's fine. It's way better yeah. than what would come. Yeah, you got that right. Yeah, it's like better than fucking uh, what's the Charlie Chan movies and all that shit. Sure. With Mickey Rooney and oh god. Yeah. All right. All right. What happens? It's uh, it's New Year's. It's New Year's for like the first hour and fifteen minutes of this. It's movie. A long night. Yeah. It's a long. Night. So we're spending time in the Chinese restaurant now. I couldn't believe it when she started performing another number. This one, a slow <laughs> one, called he "Smoke Dreams." Have... <laughs> he says we have time. We've got time for one more number, folks. And, and I'm like, no, we mad. don't. We don't have time no, for don't. one more number. We're burning daylight here. And I love the ungrateful saps at the table where, uh, you know, Nick says that everything's going to be on the house courtesy of Dancer. And so all his thug friends, they start ordering all these things. And then as soon as there's no... Uh, n- number after that, when he says she's going to do one, there's time for one more number, they all start going, hey, what's the big idea? We're paying for everything here. We can't get more than one number. And I'm just like, fucking shut up. He, you're, everything's on the house. Yeah. You got a nine-minute rendition of Blow That Horn. <laughs> yeah. We wanted to blow your horn? Is that Would that satisfy oh, you? Oh, Henry. Bump. Let's talk about Jimmy Stewart. He's um, in love with Nora's sister, Selma. He's toned down. He's, he's toned down. Not at first. But he's not going crazy. Yes, he like, is. He, Early on I, in this movie. I didn't think he was. It really came at the very end. I, I, you know, but I'm with you on him. I, he can be real annoying, but he, I didn't think he was that bad in this. He was pretty, because he's not the star. I think that's why. That really helps. It does help. It's like, Jimmy, we don't need that tonight. We don't need you to be doing that. You just read your lines kind of quiet. like. But early yeah. on, he is such a fucking milquetoast cuck, man. And, and <laughs> I, like, I hated this character until it turned out that he was the killer. That redeemed him for me. Yeah. Because at well, first it's just like, me. Selma, we were once engaged, and then you went off with Robert. Right. He's so he hates Robert. He wants to pay off Robert to leave so that he can be with Selma. And it's like, dude, you had your shot, man. Right, right. <laughs> You're right. He's a sap. He's yeah. just hanging around at this fucking New Year's party while the woman he's in love with is freaking about 
is freaking out about her husband going off and fucking a showgirl. Right, right, right. You're very right. And he's just and like, he loves you, Selma. Yeah. I know he's fucking a showgirl, but he's thinking with his dick. Yeah, but I, 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 I liked Jimmy Stewart in this because I think, like we said before, I think he turns out to be a great villain, and you don't get to see that much. You know, compared to, like, people who are really uh, gilding the lily, as they say, I thought Aunt Catherine and a lot of her family members were just way too much to deal with. I mean, like, that kind of acting was just, like... Because you got, like, this great acting going on with Nick and Nora, and then... but then And even Selma, who cries a lot, <laughs> is still good. And, and, yeah, and she's I, not as good as the the inventor's daughter from the first no. one, who kind of played the similar role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, and th she was famous too. We, I mean, we didn't have the time, but there, everyone in this cast are people I've heard of. There, there were very few people I was like, oh, I never heard of that person. And um, but the Aunt Catherine clan, I just. I don't know. That was getting to the cartoon point. That didn't bother me, though, because it was played for laughs. And yeah, because... And you know what else didn't bother me about that? Because it's such... Um, I don't know. It's just a part of the genre, man. It's a standard. Like all the Agatha Christie Marple stuff and like Locked Room Sherlock Holmes mysteries. There's always yeah, some like big, rich, elite family. I don't have an issue with that. I don't have an issue with that. We had the similar thing in the first movie, but they had the writing was subtler and the actors were better. Yeah, so I mean, you're not wrong. This isn't as good a movie. And that's one of the reasons, I think. But it's mainly because the plot just gets ridiculous. It's complicated. You don't really care as much. Uh, and the parlor room scene at the end is a shadow of the one in the first one, even <laughs> though I like that they did it. And I did too. I like this movie. I'm not gonna, you know, I like this movie. Uh, totally but yeah, good. The yeah, the parlor sequence at the end really talk about one. Like the dining room scene in the end of the first one is very, very compact and tight. Like the buildup is perfect. I think the whole sequence in that dining room maybe takes ten minutes, eleven minutes maybe. But in this one, it feels like I don't know how long it is, but it really feels long. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like they're all awkwardly staged too. They're like standing. There's a lot of a lot of rooms with like ten people standing around. Yeah, yeah, and they're all just kind of looking at Nick. Everyone's turning and staring at him and answering questions. Well, no need to do another take, Henry. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I work with Alfred Hitchcock. You know, he used to he used to box. We had we not had at this boxes. point, dude. He didn't do anything yet. James Stewart. Some of the early Hitchcock. What about those early ones? I don't believe after. Grant? I don't believe after working with Hitchcock, he's taking third build roles in in Thin Man sequels. I don't know. I thought uh, maybe Cary Grant did some of the early stuff. Like okay, he's still but, in England at this point. But he. But I'm thinking of things like Notorious and shit. Is that like 1940? Yeah, Saboteur? yeah, that's later. Saboteur. Okay, so Stewart didn't come on board. I just late. looked up Stewart. This is his third movie. When does he come on board with Hitchcock? What year? I'm curious. Is it Rope? Rope? I mean, I'm looking it up, man. Yeah, because he's I'm not curious. in Rope. Oh, yes, he is. That is his first one. That's uh, oh, that's. Oh, and thank you. I apologize. That's forty-eight. It's it's a while oh, to go. Wow. Yeah. So we got twelve more years. Mm -hmm. Listen, I'm going to be working with great directors like Alfred Hitchcock, Mr. Van Dyke. 
You could take another take. You had three hundred, six hundred thousand dollars By the time Stewart worked with Hitchcock, W.S. Van Dyke killed himself rather than go to the hospital. Listen, I All had right. a mosquito bite, see? Uh, Nick, Nick's going crazy at this party. He kisses the wrong woman at midnight, which I found hilarious. That was weird. And yeah. Nora super didn't care again. Oh. And then um, at one point, the police is questioning Nora, and Nick, just as a prank, makes them think that she has she's, like, in the wrong, and he, she gets arrested. Nick is questioning Nora. You're right. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I wanted to say what you said. The police is questioning Nora. And... Did I say that? <laughs> the police as a funny. whole, the, the, the organization is questioning her. Yeah, you meant to say R. Mm-hmm. Um, they are questioning Nora, and he she's in jail. They kicked the shit out of that one dog, though. Yeah, d- did you know that the police like the there was that one dog who was trying to hook up with Mrs. Asta, and uh, one of the police officers put a knee on him for a good long time. It wasn't a good result. It was it was as long as that song. What song? Oh, blow that blow horn. that horn, of course. Yeah. All right. Um, what happens next, Henry? There's a big set piece with Asta involving running around the house holding something. You like that? <coughs> I noticed Sorry. the dead body blink Sorry. at one point. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some stuff like that in this movie. This, yeah. this movie's a little bit sloppy for 600K. A little sloppy. My LVP yeah, yeah. for the movie is this this police inspector Abrams that uh, that That's Nick that Nick is working with the entire movie. Yeah. He's in a lot of scenes. He's ever present at the yep. entire investigation is Nick and this guy Abrams. And I just desperately want him to be bringing Nora along, but he's spending all his time be- fucking pranking her and leaving her with her family at home, <laughs> locking her in closets. Yeah, I wanted Guild back. Detective Guild from the first one. He was cool. He had that lantern. You're totally draw. right. That dude was way better. He was badass, yeah. Abrams is annoying. He is not my LVP. He's a wet blanket, I... man. Yeah, but uh, anyway, Jimmy Stewart is the... Are you done? Is that it? Yeah, sure. Jimmy Stewart turns out to be the murderer. Uh, you know, he and, and it's revenge on Selma. One of the twists I liked was that he hasn't been in love with Selma all along. He wants to kill her fucking ass, too. He's a psychopath, and I liked... I thought his... his I'm glad they did not give this to Macaulay in the first one. They gave Jimmy some time to explain oh yeah well he, he's i've got a gun <laughs> i've got a gun and i he's right about you i hated you i've hated you for years and i hated robert too and i planned all these years spending to <laughs> but it's great yeah and, and then uh i think it's nora that distracts him and then they're able to grab him you're right mm-hmm what what is that she she throws like a blanket somewhere yeah, or she something? throws something yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought Jimmy Stewart was great in this movie, and I, I like the heel turn. Great uh, heel turn. Really good heel turn. Yeah. Uh, done very well. So Jim, Jimmy's getting my MVP. Wow. Incredible. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he is. Good villain. Don't see him play it much. I like that. That's a good call. I didn't really think about my MVP in this one. I was just sort of like floating along, enjoying them. I'll yeah, go with... Yeah. Uh, 
Oh, you know, Myrna Loy was just side. I want to go with Myrna Loy because I really love her, but know. she was sidelined too much in this one. So I, I'll go with Powell for this one. He's the MVP. LVP oh, right. is the the fucking police inspector guy. All right, LVP. let's talk about the fucking cliffhanger. Well, you can't skip the cliffhanger because we're gonna have to come yeah. back next week and discuss it. Wait, I was just saying about to say my LVP. All right, go ahead. Aunt, thanks, Aunt Catherine. Oh, of course, that makes sense. Yeah. You okay. saw the cliffhanger, Cliff. right? They are... I, you refresh my memory. Okay. They're on the train again. Dudley the black waiter is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Nora. Oh, yes. Here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, implies a little something. And Nick comes to a realization, Henry. Oh, my God. She's pregnant. She has the great line, and you call yourself a detective. It was a good. That was good. It was great. It was one. very cute. And, it was very cute. And uh, and she's pregnant now. This is great. I loved this as an ending to the movie. Delightful. But I am concerned about bringing so... a child <laughs> into this franchise. That might be a little too cute. Oh, I was concerned for another reason. But well, annoying, right. annoying for sure. But oh, I'm not gonna be. No, 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 no. That's not what I was gonna. Oh, say, what's your problem? Uh, I don't want this baby to be born with fetal alcohol syndrome. <laughs> oh God, because Jeez. I don't foresee Nora quitting anytime soon. So we'll see how that goes. She'll quit. They um, all quit back then, right? Oh, oh, sure, mm-hmm, sure they did. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yes, no, I agree with you though. That that actually didn't occur to me, and now that you're saying it, I'm getting very nervous. I happen to look ahead, and the cover of the yeah, third movie, it's right. it's like the three, it's the two of them with a baby, and then in the third, in the fourth one, the poster is the two of them with like a little moppet. So he's aging. Uh, but you know, maybe they'll leave the baby at home with a nanny or something. I sure hope so. Probably a black nanny. <laughs> probably or an asian one <laughs> good oh and we didn't get to talk about shyster uh i i, I the, the jewish character obviously they call him shyster about 15 times in one scene yeah that was well that was amazing sure that's, that's wasn't it that's jewish representation for you no i know but it's just it's it's it was, it's incredible did i ever tell you about um the ra- the the anti-semitic <laughs> i mean you didn't know he was anti-semitic but the anti-semitic um radio dj in michigan that i heard once i, I don't think so i was up in traverse city michigan and there was um there was uh um of radio DJ who was introducing the next song, okay? And and this is how he did it. All right, yeah, welcome, Driver City, Michigan. They're on ninety two point seven. Yeah. And he was he was one of those guys, okay? <laughs> and he he goes like this, uh, hey, uh you hear uh those uh those Jews, they're really into punk rock. Am I right? Am I right? Then he left a little pause and he goes, You know how I know? They really like to say, oi, here's the Ramones. That's, yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's great stuff. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, so all of our Jewish friends, including the one I'm speaking to, stay away 
from Traverse from Michigan. City, Michigan? From Michigan in general. From Michigan in general, yeah. <laughs> they're going to fuck up the next election, too. Yeah. Oh, boy. Boy, boy, boy. That's really good stuff, though. Wow. What do you give okay. this movie on the one to five scale? Giving it a solid, solid, solid three. Oh, totally. This is the U.S. Marshals of this franchise. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm I'm worried, like we all, like I always get. But I'm positive. I'm thinking optimistically. I'm th- hoping they're not going to get really bad. I don't want them to get really bad. Yeah, I'm concerned about the directors and the writers changing. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. we have like one more movie with this team, and then we things do? are starting to change. Yeah, right, but that and that might be all right. We might have like a lone, a lone uh, wolf and cub situation. I mean, we could. Have oh, you're some, right. Yeah, that surprised us. Yeah, it could have some good, cha- but you know, I don't know. Uh, just I hope they don't get too goofy. I, the first one was just my. That was my just goofy enough. Of, goofy enough. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, yeah, but the, okay, so we give the same rating to both movies. We're give me, give us the superhero now. count, and then uh, let's wrap this baby up. Yeah, we'll do that right now. I got two for you folks, and uh, I hope you enjoy John Williams. Your two superheroes are Paul Fix. That's the actor's name, Paul mm-hmm. Fix, F-I-X. Who'd he play? He, he played Phil Burns. Now, that was Phil, a major character. Phil, he played into things. He was the brother. No, he was the husband. <laughs> it, it's a tough movie to keep straight. <laughs> He's the husband of the lounge singer. That's right. Nobody, yeah. They don't see, know they're married. See, now, Robert is cheating on Selma with the lounge singer who is having sex with Robert, but her husband knows about it, but Robert doesn't know that she's married. And she's having sex with Dancer. Yeah, because well. Dancer thinks they're going to Dancer run is like one thing too much, one variable too much in this movie. Cut yeah, that out. Yeah. Anyway, that actor who plays Phil, this is what this was a very, very long and exhausting superhero count to do, because as you can imagine, 55 actors in each of these movies, they're all famous. So they all have their own filmographies. But anyway, Paul Fix was in The Adventures of Superman. Oh, the George Reeves show. Yeah. You got to remember that stuff. I Yeah. Um, he was in uh, two episodes playing different characters. One in 1953 called Czar of the Underworld. <laughs> that was that was his character. He was Czar of the Underworld. Great. And then another one, he played a character called Semi Private Eye. I like it. All right, who's the other one? This next one's pretty pretty unique too. Esther Howard, okay, who is credited in this movie as woman at Lychee Club, who says. Hey, handsome, to Nick. That's her whole credit. I kind of remember that. I don't. There's a lot of women. <laughs> That's who at say the that. Chinese restaurant. Yeah, I guess she yelled it to him, but she's somebody, Esther Howard. And she was in um, a movie called, she played a character named Filthy Flora in a movie called Dick Tracy versus Q Ball. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. 
Now, is that a movie? Or they, yeah, there there were a, they're like movie serials. They made they like were, a bunch of them. There's also like Dick like Tracy Batman. versus the Grotesque Man, I think. Yeah, and that's like Bat the, or the first Batman, right? Batman in the '40s. There was a Batman and Robin. Well, yeah, there's a few of those, and there's also Superman and the Mole Man. Oh, that's an actual yeah. movie, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can't remember the actor too. I knew the actor. We didn't cover but... Superman and the Mole Men. <laughs> we should go back and do that. We didn't cover the Batman and Robin stuff either. Those yeah, but those are serials. Those are like legit, like just like five minute serials. Right. The Superman and the Mole Men was a movie with George Reeves. Okay. All right. Well, that's that, folks. All right. Well, what do we got, Henry? Coming up, uh, make sure you're on the Patreon. We're doing a lot of stuff over there, patreon.com slash the franchise. You can uh, uh, choose a film franchise for $100 like my dad did. And uh, $50 for something that's in theaters, even though nothing's in theaters right now. Oh, yeah. Right. I didn't even think about that. Well, you know, you can pay 50 bucks. It'll help us pay the $20 to rent it. <laughs> Great call. Uh, <laughs> all right, yeah. So uh, help us out there, and you'll be getting yourself some great content. We just posted a killer award bros about the Golden Globes of 1996. We really did. Mm -hmm. We really did. And we're going to be putting up another one very soon and for this month of June. Yep. I'm off social media, but you can still email me at thefranchisepod at gmail.com. You can email Henry at henryfranchise at outlook.com. We are both on Letterboxd at Daniel Ehrenberg and Hank Beast, respectively, of course, Henry's X-Men fan account. And um, uh, yeah, so there's still ways to contact us. We still have an Instagram, that too. Yeah. No, 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 no. We are alive and kicking, folks, and uh, we got a review. Oh, uh, read it. Read it. I don't have it up. Another great review. Five stars in the United States from Brooke ML. All right. right. Daniel and Henry are a couple of the funniest, most intelligent podcasters out there. Mm -hmm. The show is a nice respite from the craziness of the world. Give it a listen. Thanks, Brooke. Yeah, give nice. give it a listen. I appreciate it. Great job. Yeah, and you know. Hey, for fuck's I, sake, why don't the rest of you leave? Great reviews like Brooke did. Brooke and Tobias Nobius and and Sadir Durf. Those guys. Brooke M L. Brooke M L. Scarlet minded. These are people who leave five star reviews. We appreciate all of them. Yeah, Brooke M L. I like that. It's almost like a like a like a DJ name. All right, you have fun with that. Henry. Like Junkie XL. Oh, that's what you're thinking of? Yeah. What movie did that person produce that you know that person? I don't know because I don't like it. Didn't he do Zack? Doesn't he do Zack Snyder shit? Could be. I think I'm right. Remember when we were doing Resident Evil and there was Tom and Andy? That's or right. <laughs> Tom and Andy. Yeah, they do a lot of stuff. Yeah. All right, Henry. Uh, great stuff. Going forward, next week, we have uh, uh, the next Thin Man. <laughs> I, actually can, I actually have it. What's I it can, called? It gets confusing. I'm glad I did that. I already put it on my watch list on Amazon Prime. They are, respectively, 1939's Another Thin Man mm -hmm. and 1941 Shadow of the Thin Man. See? Oh, okay. I like that. Let's branch out of just like generic sequel titles. Another yeah. after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shadow of the Thin Man. Shadow of the Thin Man. Cool stuff. Shadow of the Bat. Henry, a pleasure talking to you. Dad, a pleasure talking to you. 
and uh, I hope you listened this far. And I uh, hope you're better. getting your $100 worth out of this. I hope you are, buddy, because uh, you got two more of these to listen to, Steve. So I uh, hope you enjoyed it. And we hope everybody uh, liked it as well. All of our listeners, we love you all around the country, around the globe. And stay safe and uh, keep listening. Keep on listening and join that Patreon, folks. We're really knocking out some gold on there and you're missing out. I had a laughing fit on the last episode that lasted uh, as long as Blow That Horn uh, when we were talking about Dustin Hoffman presenting inconsequential supporting actress awards and the Golden Globes. And uh, it's real fun. So definitely pay the five bucks for that. Come on. All right, everybody. Until next week. Happy trials, see? I don't like crooks, and if I did like them, I wouldn't like crooks that are stool pigeons. And if I did like crooks that are stool pigeons, I still wouldn't like you.